Hello and welcome everybody to the next podcast. What we're doing here is we're going to finish off the last podcast that we started. We're talking about the 10 things you must know about the pelvis, anatomy-wise that is. Um, hello, Rhiannon. Hello, Dr. Webster. How are you doing? Um, right? Yes, not bad. Um, coming into you from um, not so sunny North Devon at the moment. Uh, it's raining quite nastily outside. Yeah, we've got that here too. Is um, Dexter asleep this time? Yes, he's properly asleep, thank ah, you. Um, so we've got about an hour, yeah. <laughs> right, better crack on. Yeah. Uh, good. So we finished off last time, we were talking about the ureters. Yes. Um, so we did one, two, three, four, five. This time we're going to do six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's funny how it works like that, isn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to do number six is two vas deferens, one urethra. Number yeah. seven is Oz. You can tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Eight is bladder, vagina, rectum. Nine is ligaments of the female reproductive system. Yeah, that's quite a good one. And ten is most important, save to last, sensory innovation to the external genitalia. <laughs> I yeah. Think, yeah, I think any students who know anything about anatomy and have been looking at this region will probably agree that those are quite those are five things that you must know and can be quite tricky. So we'll work through them bit by bit. Is that all right, Ree? Excellent. Sounds good. Okay, you can do most of the talking today. Thanks. Shall we okay. start off with two vas deferens, one urethra? Um, what's the point of this one? I think the point is that, um, yeah, how does the vas deferens hook up to the urethra and how does it get out? Because some students get a little bit lost in that reason, region. So we have two vas deferens transporting sperm from the testes, from the epididymis, which will yeah. eventually duct into the urethra and then the sperm will leave through the urethra through the penis. Do you want to... Tell us a bit more about the anatomy, how that happens. Um, okay. Um, so if you can, in your mind's eye, maybe we'll get an image up. Um, see so the two testicles. Uh, most people are fortunate enough to have two testicles. Um, so therefore, uh, you have two vas deferens, which is, you know, the whole point to this number six. Um, so the two vas deferens um, come up and they, they actually connect to two ejaculatory ducts. Um, and it's the ejaculatory ducts that are... Um, continuous then with the urethra so the sperm comes all the way like sam just described all the way up through the ejaculatory ducts as well as the vas deferens and then into the urethra um the and urethra that's, occur- that's occurring in the prostate gland isn't it yeah i was just going to say the urethra has got actually four parts um and one comes the smallest part is just before the prostate but then quite a not a massive part of it but a significant part is actually within the prostate itself and that is also where that ejaculatory duct connects up um so there's kind of quite a lot going on in that relatively small area then as the urethra extends past the prostate it becomes membranous part or just the intermediate part um and then that then goes into the penis proper and is called the penile part of yeah. the Sometimes it's called the spongy part as well. So the urethra has got okay. a pretty simple job to do, isn't it? It's one tube going from the bladder out through the prostate gland, which just happens to sit right beneath the bladder. So it yeah. has to go through that and then out through the penis. So yeah. one tube, urine, one direction from bladder out. Yes. And it's in the prostate gland that the two vas deferens have come around the, um, the posterior aspect of the bladder, become the ejaculatory ducts and pierce the urethra really yeah i mean contents of the prostate are also um go into the urethra via that ejaculatory duct as well um 
and then the seminal vesicles. Oh, and it's the seminal vesicles who go via the ejaculatory duct. Then you've got the prostate contents and also the bulbo-urethral glands, glands all filter into um, the urethra. Put That's their right. contents in there. Because right before um, the vas deferens and the ejaculatory ducts enter the urethra, right before that happens, the seminal vesicle, one on either side, ducts into that. In it. Yeah. Yeah. In it. Yeah. yeah. So there are two vas deferens, two ejaculatory ducts, two seminal vesicles, but one urethra. It's really the reason I point this out is because students often get a little bit lost in it. You can't see it in a lot of plastic models because it's it's kind of a, it's very much a three D structure, and you have to look at it through various cross sections. Because if you just section it through the sagittal section, you only see the urethra. Um, you have to kind of get a weird section to be able to see those ejaculatory ducts coming into the urethra. But there you go. That's what I wanted to point out. Okay. Job done. Number six. Tick. Number seven. Oz. Good word. Oz. Oz. Oh, Oz means. Oz means like it's like mouth. It's like space. It's like cavity. It's like opening, isn't it? Opening. Oz. That's probably yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like that. Or the that... wizard of. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Does that help everybody? <laughs> um, so, because. Yeah, students often get a little bit lost as to when you're looking at the cervix, well, which bit is the Oz? And the Oz is the opening. Am I right in saying that? Yes, absolutely. And more specifically, the external Oz. Yeah. So the external Oz is the external opening. And there's kind of an internal anatomical opening, which is called the internal Oz. But it's the external Oz that's really important, right? Yeah. And you can tell us all about the external Oz, can't you? Being, uh, uh, (laughs) well, (laughs) no longer being nulliparous. It's um, it was funny. My sister's a midwife, and I was asking her about um the external and the internal, and ah, she was handy. Yeah, it's quite convenient. But she was basically saying that they don't really worry about the internal that much. It is just the opening. Um, is this? It's actually the cervical canal that that you know. So, the external is one end of the cervical canal, and the internal is the other end. So, so the, the internal. Ex- sorry, go on. So the external laws is really it's that. It's the cervix opening into the vagina, isn't it? Yes. So it's almost like the neck of the uterus, which is the cervix, opening into the vagina. That's yeah. the bit we're talking about. Yeah, because the internal is the um, cervix that opens into the uterus. Yeah. Okay, and it's, you know, um, again, really, I think just, less important. Say that again, you just crapped out a bit there. So the, I can't remember what I said. So the internal is the part of the cervix that opens into the uterus. Uh-huh. So if you think about the cervix as a canal, that's the best, that the cervix is a, has a canal, is that's the best way to think about it. Yeah. Um, so the cervix is the whole structure, is the, you know, is, is the mm. tissue, and the oz is just describing the opening. Correct. Okay. So um, it's kind of difficult to sort of figure out the important bits that you should know for this. One of the important things is that you should know is that um, when a woman has a smear test, they actually take cells from the oz. So, uh-huh. you know, they're going to that. Um, cervical canal area um, also when a woman is in labour um, or not that's one of the things that they test, they do a vaginal examination um, and it's the external os that they feel and my sister tried to describe it to me she basically said if it feels like the end of your nose, so all soft and squishy come on everybody, right. feel the end of your nose um, then you're not in labour if you can still feel that it's tubular and sort of round with a hole in it um, it's, you're not in labour but if um, the cervix is kind of thinned out 
and it doesn't feel tubular and quite often you can feel the circle of it around the baby's head um you're probably in labor so um get thee to a hospital if you're not there already um and and really i don't know how much more there is to know on a sort of general you know obviously if you get into gynecology i'm sure there is a lot more to know about it but i think for for this matter yeah that's what i wanted to simplify is to make sure that everybody who's who's has to know this anatomy knows exactly what the external oz is in relation to the cervix uterus vagina that sort of thing which i think we did i think one other thing to say is like if you if um a woman hasn't had a baby a vaginal delivery Aww. it's it it will look when you do the smear or whatever examination of the cervix it um still looks like a sort of round with a small circular opening but if you have had a vaginal birth that's when it's like a bit of a what goes more like a slit because obviously you've had something fairly significant coming through there sure yeah cool okay good stuff now the next one next one number eight is very very simple um but it's something that students often get confused with when they're looking at hemisection so half pelvises in uh, in the anatomy lab um and i've titled it bladder vagina rectum it's a really simple idea i'm sure everybody listening to this is aware of it but it's just to remind everybody that in the female pelvis the anterior structure is the bladder and it's right up against the pubis it's tied to the pubis the bladder is anterior the vagina is in the middle the rectum is at the back very get it right yeah it's just that when people are looking at these various structures in the pelvis and you've got all these lumps folded over other lumps and there's a whole bunch of um um, what's, that flappy <laughs> what's the right stuff word? That, um, peritoneum folding over the whole lot of it. Students do get rather confused as to what the hell is what. So, bladder, vagina, rectum. So, if there's if there's a roundy thing anteriorly, it's the bladder. The vagina is next. Now, the the uterus is going to be attached to the vagina, right? And it it sits on top of the bladder. It's um, from the vagina. It's it's flexed antero superiorly, so it's flexed anteriorly, flexed forward. Uh, and the rectum is at the back, so bladder, vagina, rectum. If you if you remember that, you can work out what all those structures are, right? Easy That's peasy. the theory, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Easy marks in an exam when you're flustered. Bladder, vagina, rectum, and obviously in a male pelvis, bladder, rectum. Yes. <laughs> Don't get it confused, people. Ah, uh, well, the number of students in the lab who um, start talking about a male pelvis when obviously it's a female pelvis because it has a vagina and a uterus. <laughs> So, you know, look out for it. Bladder, vagina, rectum. If it hasn't got a vagina, it's a male pelvis. No. <laughs> okay, it's worth, good. So that's it number eight. taking a couple of looks before you start talking to your anatomy teacher. <laughs> Otherwise, we, you know... <laughs> can't be Otherwise, we go us. home and have a shot of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. There you go, bladder, vagina, rectum. Easy peasy. But Superb. I want to make sure you know it all. Now, number nine is a toughie. Number nine is uh, the ligaments of the female reproductive system. Mm. tough until you break it down which Rhiannon's going to do so what are we what ligaments have we got Ree? we've got the round ligament we've yeah. got the ovarian ligament and we've got the Correct. suspensory ligament of the ovary so they, they're yes. pretty much you know they're a similar structure but we'll separate those two out and then we've got the broad ligament yeah. so let's be clear on what each one of those is and how you can recognize it so can you tell us about the round ligament Rhiannon what does that attach to okay the round ligament it starts um, where the uterine tubes meet the uterus, so at the top of the uterus, okay? Not uh, right at the top. Yeah. They call them the uterine horn, so either side where the um, 
tubes meet the uterus. Okay, so just below that junction, that's where the round ligament starts. So and, by the, yeah, by sorry? the tubes, you mean, uh, yeah, so the uterine tube, which is going to run out to the ovary. Yeah. You mean from where that bit comes out of the uterus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so and just below it. So, yeah. so obviously, if the junction you've got just above it or just below it, it's just below that junction, and it, um, then it, it's like a cord, and it leaves the pelvis through the deep inguinal ring through the inguinal canal, and it actually terminates on the labia majora and the mons pubis. Okay, um, what does it do? Well, it maintains the position of the uterus. Okay, yeah, so and it's that uterus, the uterus in place. So it's and it's, it's lean slight, ventrally, slightly ventrally the uterus if you go and have a look at your ah, yes. so we'll get an image up or something um and if some of you who will have made a few connections as to sort of um the anatomy and the embryology if you've heard our embryology podcasts um, and the fact that it comes through the inguinal canal um is because Big it developed yeah <laughs> developed from the gubernaculum so you know in the male when the gonads, um, the testicles descend and go into the scrotum, here we have the remnant, which becomes the round ligament, so the remnant of the gubernaculum. So it comes all the way down, and that's why it goes through the inguinal canal and terminates on the labia majora and mons pubis, because women don't have scrotums. So it's an embryological leftover, an embryological yeah. remnant, but it's very, very useful. It's tying the uterus in place. Mm, yeah, and uh, one thing that I was looking at when I was you know, looking at this um, was that... <laughs> its blood supply isn't very hard to remember. It's called the round ligament artery. Um, but um, I just found it quite interesting because that's an example of the anastomosis of the uterine and ovarian arteries that we were talking about before. Yes. Do you remember we were talking about what number was that? I can't remember. That was number three. three. Yeah. So, you know, that's a good example um, of that important anastomosis between the uterine and ovarian arteries. So that's the round ligament of the artery. Cool. So what about about the ovarian ligament? I reckon the ovarian ligament then ties the ovaries in place. Is that right? (laughs) Clues in the name. (laughs) Okay, well, that one actually starts um, from the bottom or the inferior pole, if you like, of the ovary, and it connects the ovary to the lateral wall of the uterus. So it connects the ovary to the uterus. Yeah. Good. And then what about the suspensory ligament of the ovary then? The suspensory ligament. Okay, that one is from the top of the ovary or the superior pole, if you like. And it connects the ovary to the lateral pelvic wall. So it's kind of suspending the ovary then, hence suspensory ligament of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's got some blood vessels in it, hasn't it? That's got, um, yeah, the ovarian blood vessels in there. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually um, a remnant from the mesonephros, which I don't know if everyone can remember. Think back, back, back to your embryology. Um, and that is a remnant from the um, mesonephric duct, which was part of um, embryonic development of the kidneys. We'll leave it at that. You can listen to the podcast. But. Yeah, we've already done that. So go back to that one. I'll probably put a link in here. Brilliant. Okay, so that's good. We've got the round ligament, we've got the ovarian ligament and the suspensory ligament of the ovary. They're the three fiddly little ones. What the hell is the broad ligament? Ah, this is the big daddy of ligaments. Um, it's, well, this is the same, clues in the name, broad. It's really wide and it's a peritoneal fold that just connects the um, uterus, so the whole of the uterus, to the walls and floor of the pelvis. Yeah, so remember, so, in the pelvis, the peritoneum, so the sac that's holding everything in the abdomen, is kind of draped over everything in the pelvis, like putting the top on a pie, isn't it? Yeah. It's a good way of thinking of it. Yeah, so it's yeah. draped over 
the stuff in the pie, which in this case happens to be uterus, ovary, and a whole bunch of other ligaments, you know, the round ligament, ovarian ligament, suspensory ligament. Yeah. So it's that peritoneum we're talking about. So I find it really hard to try and stick a pin in it in an exam to ask students <laughs> yeah. if they can identify the broad ligament. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's, it is that kind of that broad draping, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, they always, I mean, oh, I don't know, with peritoneum, you know, you, every dif- different bits have different names. So it, because the broad ligament yeah. is so wide, um, you know, they've split it into three and, you know, it's this specific bit connects this, you know, they're all very specific. So um, the first um, piece, if you like, they call the mesovarium, well, ovarium, you know, you're going to include in the name. So that connects the front of the ovary or the anterior surface of the ovary to the whole rest of the broad ligament, but they've given it a very specific name for that part. And then the second part is called the mesosalpinx, which is yeah. quite a funny word. Um, and that surrounds the uterine tube. That is the specific part of the broad ligament that connects that uterine tube and holds it in place. And But then the actual biggest part, um, so most of it is just the mesometrium. And that right, yeah. encompasses the whole of the uterus. So, you know, odds are if um, you stick a pin in it, it's going to be in that. Yeah, yeah that's usually where I end up. But unless it's mm-hmm. all attached, which it often isn't, I find it a bit unfair to try and stick a pin into these things. I so, would think so too. <laughs> yeah, I try, I try to be kind in my exams. So the peritoneum, where, it, where it's draped over the ovary, it's the mesovarium. So meso, as we've seen in the abdomen, meso is um, that peritoneum, that that folded peritoneum. So mesovarium is draped over the ovary bit and the ovarian yeah. ligament. Um, the mesosalpinx is kind of draped over the uterine tube. That's such a funny word. Salpinx. Salpinx. What's that? Do I... Um, I don't know. Let me have a quick look. Ooh, yeah. I can hear fresh meat for the grinder. <laughs> Um, we're interviewing students at the moment, interviewing interviewing candidates for our medicine course, and they're getting interviewed in my corridor today. <laughs> in, in the corridor? Well, no, they're get, not getting interviewed in the corridor. They're getting interviewed in people's offices. I can hear them in the corridor. <laughs> they're hanging out in the corridor. Yeah. Salpinx. Yes, of course. Of course, obviously. Salpinx is Greek for trumpet. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, imagine like the uterine tube. And it goes out at the end. It's where like the, a trumpet, yeah. Or the auditory the tube is like a trumpet, right? Cell mm. Aha! Will anybody ever remember? I don't know. So, <laughs> so the mesosalpinx is draped over the trumpet or the um, <laughs> uterine, uterine tube. <laughs> yeah, trumpet will not get you a mark in the exam. Bring and, on the trumpets. <laughs> and the mesometrium is, is draped over kind of um, the rest of the uterus bit. Yeah, it's kind of boring, right, it. It? Yeah, it's it's in place. There you go. So those, I think, I hope those are good descriptions of the ligaments of the female reproductive system. And that they got me for a long time. Though it's tricky stuff. Yeah, try and look at some cross-sectional diagrams. Try and look at some models in the lab, um, and then try and relate that to prosections and what have you. And hopefully, it'll all make sense. Okay. Yes. Final one, number yes. ten: sensory innovation to the external genitalia. And you've written copious notes about this. <laughs> <laughs> which is great no i haven't <laughs> um so i mean sensory innovation to external genitalia i would just say pudendal nerve but what would you say what would you tell us about sensory innovation to the external genitalia really? i would say 
I would say pudendal nerve, but I'd also say terminal branch, so dorsal yes. nerve penis. Yeah. That's that's the key player in this one. Um, it, oh, it's got loads of ser- sensory endings, the penis, um, especially in the glands. Mm-hmm. Um, I did come across something quite interesting, a recent paper that some guys in Seattle wrote about, and it just made me think about, um, you know, when we learn anatomy, we think we kind of know everything, you know, we know everything and um, it's all there in hundreds of textbooks written out. But obviously they're still investigating. And um, these researchers were investigating the neuroanatomy of the dorsal nerve. Um, yeah, it's a 2008 paper. So Was this in cadavers or volunteers? I think it was in sex change operations. Whoa. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and basically what they found was that the... The shaft and the glands were innovated by a separate population of neuro um, axons. Sorry, although I do think they all um, originated from the dorsal nerve of the penis. Still, yeah. so you know the, the simple anatomy is that. But it was just fascinating that they were sort of going into the, in that much more detail, and they found that the um, lateral and vent- ventral portions of the shaft were innovated by these branches that kind of arced round um from the dorsal midline right. radiating onto the ventral surface anyway i just i thought it was a bit of a oh, yeah it's good stuff yeah, but just interesting that people are still looking into it really yeah we seem we, you know there's a lot of stuff written in textbooks but there's still a lot of detail we're still looking at and of course yeah. so just because it's written down doesn't mean it's right it's not yeah. the last word just because it's the last word well, one of the conclusions they came to, which is a little obvious, was that the distinct pattern of innovation in the glands emphasises its role of the glands as a sensory structure. Good. Newsflash. Um, <laughs> so they agree with everybody else then. Yeah. Good. It's not really that um, that much of a newsflash, is it? Um, so penis is dorsal nerve of the penis. Clitoris, not surprisingly, dorsal nerve of the clitoris. Interestingly, uh-huh. it has twice the amount of nerve endings um, that in its glands than the penis does. No way. Yeah. What, like total number or is that proportion? Per, oh, it's got to be total number, isn't total it? Total number. And wow. I tried to find the figures, but I couldn't really. I found something that said about 8,000 in the wow. clitoris. I don't know. Good figures. Well, I'm not, I wouldn't um, publish them or anything. Um <laughs> So that, again, obviously, is terminal branch of the pudendal. Um, external genitalia does also include um, the scrotum and the labia. Yep. So um, they have slightly different innovation. The posterior scrotal nerve um, is branches of the pudendal. Yeah. Um, and the anterior scrotal nerves are a branch of the um, ilioinguinal nerve. Yes, yes. Um, to add to that, it, I, can I yeah. make another comment? Is yeah. that um, there is one pudendal nerve, right? Yeah. But there's an internal pudendal artery and an external pudendal artery. And students often get a little bit confused, often get exam mm-hmm. answers as internal pudendal nerve. No, it's just pudendal nerve mm-hmm. or internal mm-hmm. pudendal artery, which has taken the same route, or the external pudendal artery, which is a branch of the femoral artery. And that's what we're seeing here with this crossover of two regions, aren't we, in the labia and the scrotum. There's a crossover between the pudendal nerve, which is from the pelvis, and the ilioinguinal nerve, which is external. Very nice aside. Thank you. Yeah. The ilioinguinal is uh, a branch of the first lumbar nerve, just so everyone remembers that. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know it's it's not coming from the pelvis; it's coming from the leg. I can't were, remember if I yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what, uh, did I finish? So posterior scrotal and labial nerves branch of the pudendal, anterior scrotal and labial nerves branch of the 
Ilya Ingunov. I said that right? Yeah. Supweep. Excellent. There Number 10. Just done. Yeah, that's 6 to 10. So hopefully that's helped everybody that's listening. Those are some of our key things that we come across with students finding difficulties and students finding confusion. So we thought we'd run over it here to add to your learning. Thanks, Reed. That was really good. No problem. It was a pleasure. We haven't got a clue what we're doing next, have we? Nope. <laughs> no, if anybody's got any suggestions, you can email me at s.v.webster at swansea.ac.uk if you've got anything you'd like us to talk about. Otherwise, we'll we'll pick another topic and record it in a few weeks' time. Yeah, we'll do our best to. Anyway, should we write a textbook in the meantime, Sam? Oh, yes, yes. Well, should we talk about that now? We could mention it. We could mention it. Yes, we've been asked to write a textbook. Which is good. Everybody excited. It's very exciting, but it's also very scary. <laughs> so we've been asked to add to the At a Glance series by Wiley. Um, and we've been asked to write um, Embryology At a Glance. We're going to write an introductory or revision textbook. In the, f- the format is kind of one page of images, isn't it? One page of um, brief, concise text telling medical students everything they need to know about embryology. In fact, we'll probably yeah. write too much. But you can flip through it and you can pick out the bits you need and hopefully it'll be similar to these podcasts in that it'll be um, concise, important and easy to digest, hopefully, and send you to sleep like these podcasts do. No, hopefully. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it to send. It's got to be good, Sam. It's got to be good. It's going to be good. We're going to work very hard at it. We're going to give it our all. But we've got to get the first draft in in a year's time. And mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, so it'll probably be out in a couple of years, I guess, will it? Probably, um, what, October 2011 or... Yep, so start saving your pennies, people. Something like that. Yeah, it will be a required textbook for everybody who listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, wish us luck in that. <laughs> yeah, lots and lots of luck. It'll be good fun to write, yeah. So we'll let you know how we're getting on with that as we uh, as we go through the series. Superb. Okay, right, let's sign off and um, think about what we're going to do next. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Cheers, Ree. See you soon. Bye, Sam. Bye-bye. Bye.